0: Good evening. Thank you, Jungle Jim. What a beautiful, beautiful song. Our musical director, Jungle Jim, really setting the tone tonight, no pun intended, with that beautiful, beautiful creation. Hey, this is Tim Maher. It's uh, the end uh, Thursday night, first day of April, night uh, 2021. What a great evening coming into Easter weekend. Passover's cooking through, coming at you from the basement next to the shores of the Seneca River leading up to the great... Lake Ontario, which takes us right out the Atlantic Ocean and throughout the world. and What a great week this is. You know, you have March Madness, we have Passover, we have Easter coming up, you know, High Holy Time. But it brings me back to a time when I was uh, 11 years old to 1970, 11 years old to 1970, and uh, my sister had brought home a double set rock opera titled Jesus Christ Superstar. In 1970, Jesus Christ Superstar came out, and seeing that theaters wouldn't back the production, Andrew Lloyd Webber and Tim Rice then decided to put out a double album set, which produced two top 40 hits. Jesus Christ Superstar was a combination of rock and performance, a rock opera. What an oxymoron when you think about it, when you think about those who attended opera and what they thought of rock and roll. What a complicated, beautiful piece of art Jesus Christ Superstar is. On many levels, it tells the story of the passion and the crucifixion of Jesus Christ through rock and roll. You know, and it's it's really more powerful when you take a look at the beautiful music again, producing two hits. The extraordinary music written by Andrew Lloyd Webber, who went on to gain fame with more fame and notoriety with Phantom of the Opera and Tim Rice and his lyrics, which are actually an adaptation of the Bible. I believe that Jesus Christ Superstar is more powerful than those that were reading on Palm Sunday and reached more individuals than those reading on Palm Sunday. And the power of Jesus Christ Superstar was the makeup of the whole rock opera. You got to go back 2,000 years and you got to take a look at who is this guy, Jesus Christ, who is walking around the planet, Uh, this rebel, this rebel rouser, as they say in Jesus Christ Superstar. You know, put him into today's today's you know uh, let's let's make him contemporary so you know here in this day and age you have some guy traveling around the country we'll say traveling around the country because he wouldn't be walking around the country he'd be traveling around the country preaching against the establishment preaching love and peace and forgiveness that's what the dude's preaching now who's his supporters who's backing him who's backing this guy 12 fishermen so we'll'll we'll, we'll, we'll pretend these are the guys off uh, the Discovery Channel's deadliest catch. So he's got the guys from the deadliest catch back in him as he's going around the country, challenging the establishment, not you know, all pieces of the establishment in society that we value in a society that values possessions and power and, and fame, you know, and all these things. This guy's coming around, backed by the fisherman from the deadliest catch. Oh yeah, that's right. His mother's traveling with him. Oh, and a prostitute. He has a prostitute. <clears throat> what would you? What, where would he be on the news? He'd be somewhere on the news, but he certainly wouldn't be somebody who we would be. Or I would argue the churches would not be supporting either. So you go back and you take this radical of 2,000 years ago who went around and preached love and forgiveness and peace and not to be uh, tainted by those in power and not to to be tainted by possessions, followed by a mess of fishermen and a hooker and his mother. So you take this rebel and this rabble-rouser who's preaching peace and love. You close your eyes. And there's 1966, 1967, when you have those we called hippies and protesters and anti-war individuals and civil rights movements preaching equality, challenging the establishment, telling you not to blindly believe in leaders, being supported through music that's being written as the voice of the youth, the voice of what are being labeled radicals, rock and roll. Rock and roll, baby. So now you have rock and roll accompanied with an adaptation of the Word of God recorded by the apostles. Accurately. I'll argue, Jesus, I'll argue with anybody. You show me where Jesus Christ Superstar is not accurate. It hits on all the made points. For anybody who knows the story of the Passion and has heard it, it hits on all the made points. From the doubt in the garden to the three denials by Peter. The inner inner struggle of Pilate, the passing back and forth to Herod and back, the whipping, the torturing, the relationship with Mary Magdala, the complex relationship with Mary Magdala. Even if you don't believe any of that, it's a wonderful love story. It's a powerful love story on multiple levels. The love between Jesus and Mary, the love between the apostles and Jesus and the apostles. The love between Jesus and humankind and the betrayal of a dear friend and cousin. A betrayal of a dear friend and cousin. Think of that. Establishment. Challenging the establishment and the corrupt establishment. Establishment blinded by power. Establishment blinded by tradition and hierarchy. Gee whiz, what does that sound like? It's all accurate. And this rock opera rock opera only 15 years earlier rock and roll was satan's music now rock and roll is the word of christ this music and this rock opera is authentic is is factual touches all the bases reaches more people than anybody on a pulpit reaches more people than anybody ever did on a pulpit jesus christ superstar the music alone if you take away the lyrics is powerful it's beautiful it's impactful it's masterful you put in the lyrics it's inspirational it's factual it is factual you could play jesus christ superstar every palm sunday and it would not be blasphemy at all it's the real deal it truly is and it touched me when I first heard it in a way. I went to church that Sunday and told our priest, You got to play this in church, man. You got to play this. He was a cool guy, so he just kind of looked at me and said, Sure, okay. What a story. I- I listened to- I've listened to that rock opera every year, every year since 1970 during Holy Week. I listened to that rock opera. It's like going to church. And you know what really is amazing about this rock opera? How it captures everything that goes into a good story, status, tragedy, betrayal, relationships, multiple relationships, power, challenging of authority. Uh, this rock rebel opera, because rock and roll was rebel, rebellious, you know, and, and they would not put it in a the theater in 1971, ends ends by directing us to go read a passage in the Bible. It's unbelievably powerful. And it brings and it it really gives you the perspective of the human, of the, of the, of the loss, you know, the love story between Jesus and Judas. The love story between Jesus and Judas. The tortured Judas. You know. The bravado of Peter. the love of Mary Magdala makes everybody human. It's a beautiful story. How many people have left church on Palm Sunday? How many people have, have described it, described, you know, church that way? I think it's one of the most impactful pieces of art, music, musical art ever produced. And I think that it, uh, and what do I think? I mean, who am I? I can think whatever I want. It's my podcast. <laughs> I can think whatever I want. But I, I do believe that, that it was genius. And if you break it down, you're breaking down the times. But you're breaking down what led to that time. You're looking at an evolution in music, an evolution in music and rock and roll that goes back to the blues and country and western. It goes back to uh, you know, oppression. The blues came out of oppression and soul. You know, it goes back to uh, what became rock and roll, music of the rebellion, rock and roll. Music of the rebellious, rock and roll. Parents, you know, cringing at the thought of their children listening to Elvis Presley. God forbid you listen to Little Richard or the Beatles came on. They, you know, all this music, the doors, the Rolling Stones, you know. Five kids from the suburbs of London who, you know, made themselves into badasses and produced great blues music, loved the blues, you know. know, A generation that was challenging authority and questioning every decision being made, preaching love, preaching peace, you know. Saying suspect and don't trust anyone over 30. If you blindly trust your leaders, you'll die don't trust them. They are human. They make mistakes. They've been there a long time and lo and behold, they get arrested. This music of rebellion, this powerful music, a combination of of, of a generation of music that came out of passion, rock and roll, evolved from 1960s, from the February 7th arrival of the Beatles into New York City, through their performance on February 9th of the Ed Sullivan Show, to the rest of the British invasion, to the protesters, to the other bands that were created out of that, to the rallies in Chicago, those that preach peace, those radicals that that were told by us from establishments that they were troublemakers, they were drug addicts, they were dirty, they were filthy. Is that what you would say about this dude walking around with the 12 fishermen from the deadliest catch and a prostitute? Would you invite him into your house? I don't know, man. But this music was spawned from that, this rock and roll, this powerful, passionate music. So what do you do with this powerful, passionate music that Weber wrote? You write lyrics to it. But do you really write lyrics to it? Hmm. Are they really lyrics? Or are they simply an adaptation of a story that's been told for over 2,000 years? It's an adaptation of Tim Rice on the gospel. It's an adaptation of that story put to rock and roll in the oxymoron of a rock opera. How can you you have a rock opera, son? I don't know Italian. How can I have a rock opera? Oh, dear, honey, they're having a rock opera. One of the greatest musicals ever written, without question takes that message of peace and love, takes the message of that story to individuals who normally wouldn't even give it two cents, give it two seconds. But because of the passion, because of the characters, because of the writing of that, creates a powerful, powerful, powerful story, impactful for generations to come. I listen to it every year, I said that. I think it's a perfect example of the power of music and the power of writing and when you combine the two. And to boot it all, where does it loop you back to? It loops you back to the Bible at the end. You Actually, when you listen to Jesus Christ Superstar, the, the double set album, at the very end, when they play the instrumental song at the end, which is, is a classical, I believe, string arrangement, uh, you're reading the Bible. <laughs> you're reading the Bible. I guarantee you that half the people who read the Bible after that Jesus Christ Superstar never opened a Bible in their lives. You know, but they opened a Bible at the end of that show, end of that record, end of that rabble-rousing rock and roll, Satan-playing, trouble-making music, establishment-challenging music. What do you think the established hierarchies and all the churches and religions would do if this hippie walked into town? If this long hair walked into town with his 12 fishermen from the deadliest guest and his prostitute and his mother today what do you think they would do would they welcome him into their church would they say i'm sorry we're closed would they say oh i'm sorry you know you're 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 preaching but you're not you know you're not you don't have the credentials to do that you don't have the credentials to talk about love and peace by the way look out for your cousin he's going to throw you under the bus I love that rock opera. I just love the music. You know, the music's fantastic alone. But Holy Thursday, it's Holy Thursday. And uh, I'll be cranking up Jesus Christ Superstar tonight, and I'll crank it up tomorrow night. And I'll listen to it for the, for the great music, and I'll listen to it for the uh, wonderful story. And I'll appreciate the impact that art has and how art and how the modern uh, genre of rock and roll was able to capture a story that was 2,000 years old. Speaking of great music, here comes Jungle Jim. I hear him right now telling me to get out of here. This is Failing Up. I'm Tim Maher coming at you from the banks of the Seneca River, feeding out into the Great Lake of Ontario. If you ever get a chance, visit a Great Lake. They're like uh, land-bound oceans. They're really incredibly beautiful and large. They are great. Lake Ontario leads right up to the St. Lawrence River, the St. Lawrence Seaway. And it's a seaway because it's a way that takes you to the sea. And it'll take you right out to the Atlantic Ocean and anywhere you want to go in the world. Anywhere I walk out my front door and get into a little dinghy across the street if I had one, I'd go anywhere in the entire world in a matter of years. But right now I guess I just have to settle my voice getting around the world. So, you know, wishing everybody a happy celebration this week, Easter, Passover, whatever you may choose or not choose to celebrate. And this is Failing Up. Have a great, 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 great week. Thank you.